Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM and get started now. Welcome back to Sensibly Loud Radio. This is Be Easy Brandon, and I'm joined by the one and only Mountain Carl. Carl, how's it going, man? Man, it's been a real interesting past few weeks. I think uh, last time I touched on the fact that Milo the Mountain Dog had a uh, an issue with some uh, bad hip dysplasia. Well, it turns out that uh, Mr. Mountain Dog decided to have a uh, disc rupture and his back mm. so he uh we we thought one was one thing and not the other well we went ahead and, and went and took him to a specialist and uh and got him sorted out he is recovering from doggy back surgery right now and uh i want to give a shout out real quick to dfw labrador retriever rescue club um that's where we got milo from and a very professional organization uh, has been extremely, extremely supportive morally uh, during this whole thing. And everybody that's a part of this organization, all the alumni and, and everybody who's in charge from the top down has really been a great uh, source of source of information uh, throughout all of this uh, as far as physical therapy and things like that go. So want to want to make sure that they get credit where credit is due. Uh, in the, and uh, Jay Mac actually got his Labrador Retriever from the club as well. So uh, Copley is a beautiful yellow lab, and he's doing great under under their care. So I just want to make sure that uh, DFW Labrador Retriever Rescue Club uh, gets the notoriety they deserve. And if anybody out there is looking to adopt a pet, they are by far the most straightforward and honest. And uh, I guess they're the most, um, I won't say caring, but involved in the process as far as adoption goes that we've experienced. So um, this is definitely not a situation where you walk up and say, I want that one and then take a dog home. They, uh, they interview you and, and get, work with you to make sure you have the right lifestyle for the dog you want. And, and they pair you with a certain dog. So anyway, uh, it's a great organization. Can't say enough about it and uh, very, very pleased. And obviously uh, we want to wish the best to mountain dog who is recovering as we speak. Uh, but anyway, how are you doing Beezy? Well, let's uh, let's give it up for them because that, that sounds like an awesome organization. Yeah. And for Mountain Dog uh, hanging in there, um, yeah, sounds like he's right. been uh, he's been hauling some stuff up in the mountain and hurt his back <laughs> a little bit, huh? Yeah, yeah, he's been doing a real real uh, Mountain Dog work 
So he's so they a- uh they so not only did you adopt um, Mountain Dog through the organization, but they follow up on any sort of health issues. And how does that work? So that the uh, these issues were, I mean, they do actually go through all of their health history and everything with a fine tooth comb. Obviously, uh, they they missed the hip dysplasia. That's fine. They thought it was a car accident instead. It is what it is. But the uh, the main thing was that once he ruptured the disc in his back, we told them, hey, this is what's going on. Uh, do you know anything about, you know, the best surgeons in town, you know, who to go to, um, you know, does pet insurance cover it? Do you have anybody who has experience with pet insurance? Um, they immediately reached out. It was like an urgent email blast to everybody that they knew. And they talked to us about surgeons we could go to. They talked to us about, uh, you know, they even had people that were working with us talking about, uh, you know, physical rehabilitation after surgery and things like that. So it was a, it was a soup to nuts, you know, recovery effort on the effort of the club. And uh, I mean, I think that the, there is, there are a lot of, there are a lot of uh, rescue organizations that care, obviously. I'm not going to take anything away from them. But it's very obvious that they care a lot, especially about the dogs that they bring, you know, that they actually, you know, adopt and, and, and everything like that. So uh, once once they're yours, they're you're still part of a, a larger group. And, and it's on you to reach back out to them to really let them know what's going on and to get them involved again. But, uh, they, man, they, they dropped everything and they went for it. Um, I mean, it. it it was a great experience overall. So can't say enough about them and, and, uh, and hope that moving forward, uh, more and more people donate to them and, and everything. They're not, we are not affiliated with them by any means. This is a personal anecdote, uh, with my experience with them. And obviously J Mac and Copley, uh, are doing great as well. So I just want to make sure that that's, that's said. Well, that's awesome, man. That's that's great to hear, and I'm glad Mountain Dog is uh, going to be in better spirits soon. I know he's got to go through that whole healing process, which probably has him down in the dumps, but I'm sure he'll be feeling much better uh, once he's resolved. So, oh yeah, yeah, he's, he's really loving the uh, the cone of shame right now, <laughs> and uh, he's loving the 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 vet said four by four by four. It's a four by four cage for four weeks. Wow. Yeah. So we take him out to do physical therapy and we take him out to do bathroom breaks and stuff like that. But, um, it's just a, it's a miracle that he's walking even. So it's a, it's a good, it's good news right now. And, and I hope that, you know, in four weeks, I'll give you even better news, but that's, uh, that's what's going on. <laughs> well, it sounds like you definitely have had a, a trying week and I know it's been more than just a week and it's, it's been an experience for you, but Glad everybody's doing well. Um, it's definitely been an interesting week. Um, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think what just uh, on Friday, September twentieth, we had the uh, Area Fifty One raid that occurred. Yeah, Brandon, did you go to the Area Fifty One raid? Were you were you out there Naruto running towards <laughs> Area Fifty One? That seems like that seems like something you would do. Uh, such a bad idea. Uh, oh yeah. May you know maybe my tenor. 13 year old self, um, you know, back when independence day came out, you know, and that was around that same time I was, I was with, uh, 
my cousins, uh, shout out to uh, Travis and Tyler, but you know, we were obsessed with UFOs and stuff and, and the paranormal growing up and I'm still, I'm still a bit interested in paranormal and, you know, I mean, obviously there's military footage that have come out with, you know, fighter pilots for the air force and tracking these objects. And now it's all leaked out that, you know, they're, they've had these investigations and the, these objects and don't know what they are. Are they drones? Are they from another, you know, dimension? Like <laughs> who knows? Yeah. But, uh, but it's, it's, it's always a real interesting thing. You know, the, the things that you cannot rationally explain. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, maybe my 13 year old self would have been interested in going, but you know, a Naruto run and, and just, you know, they can't take us all out. Like that's just a, a bad idea. Uh, there's gotta be another way to, to get in there, but the things are uh, really heavily defended, but, um, yeah, uh, I was interested to see how all this was going to turn out. Uh, this whole thing, I'm sure a lot of people were, and we've kind of referenced this on earlier episodes, but, uh, someone came up with this whole idea of, you know, this area 51 raid and, you know, they can't kill us all. And, you know, we're going to get in there and see them aliens. And, you know, so many great quotes from this thing. <laughs> Which, and, by uh, the way, when you start out with they can't kill us all, uh, the uh, it's a one-sided war of attrition. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you're, if you throw enough warm bodies at them, like maybe the, a couple will make it through. Like that's not that's not very good odds. I mean, any military installation is a bad idea, but especially going up against a U.S. military installation, especially one with a top secret you know, clearance level such as this one where it's a test facility and it's been known for testing skunk works. Um, you know, skunk works is basically the program that was behind SR 71. Uh, you have the F 117 Nighthawk. Uh, there's so many, uh, stealth fighter, uh, jets. And I think they even tested the F 22 there as well as another, uh, installation. So it's like, you know, as well as the U-2, I think that's really what started everything with Area 51 was the U-2 uh, spy plane. You know, they really needed during the Cold War to take uh, pictures from a very high altitude, but it was a very slow plane. And so they ended up developing the SR-71. But not to go too far down that rabbit hole, but that's just a little bit of a preface in terms of, you know, background on what this base was. And then there were rumors that, you know, after the Roswell crash, well, maybe there was something that crashed there and they took the the alien bodies there part of the you know so there there's this whole theory that you know there might be some alien technology and you have like bob lazar who formerly supposedly worked for you know um he he worked for this contracting organization that was out there and kind of testing you know this element 115 and and uh you know the the technology they found off the spacecraft and try to reverse engineer it to figure out the gravity propulsion you know so it's just there's so much uh story and lore to it and uh as well as just people like you know there's that whole mystique of it but uh you know seeing a bunch of like teenagers and early 20-somethings go out there it's just a recipe for disaster so two million people subscribed and, and basically said that they would go to this and it raised such a big concern that the u.s air force is like you know do not come because we will use force and if anybody has use, has force that they can use, it's the U.S. military. So <laughs> they would totally obliterate these kids. Uh, definitely not worth it. But, you know, the, the guy who organized the event originally just kind of put it out there as a joke. And he what he originally wanted to do is he wanted to promote and create his own music festival. And so he figured the Area 51 Raid Music Festival would be a good idea, especially out in the desert. 
Uh, but it was going to turn into one of those fire festival type things where it just was poorly organized. And, and then on top of that, can... sandwiches and shitting in buckets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then on top of that, like concerns of uh, it not being properly organized and, um, you know, are, are people even going to show up? It, so, you know, a lot of logistical stuff. But uh, he, you know, basically said, OK, yeah, we're calling this whole thing off because it's going to get out of hand. There's a lot of crazies out there and it basically went viral and spun out of control out of his own hands but people still showed up and thankfully it wasn't two million it was about 150 people uh who showed up like right at midnight outside of the back gate um which is just west of rachel nevada uh rachel's the closest town it's a very very small town just kind of on the way to nowhere uh that has the little alien which is the uh, hotel that's there and it's operating has a bar and restaurant and stuff and so all these nerds were out there out in front of the back gate and of course you got like the sheriffs and and local uh law enforcement there outside the gates as well as military just making sure no one doesn't doesn't try to cross i think about five people tried to and they were immediately arrested uh but other than that it was just like a dorky thing kind of like what you saw in independence day where they got on top of the building and people are all dressed up and that's exactly what i was thinking yeah yeah bunch like of nerds lids and all that kind of shit so. yeah <laughs> yeah no they uh there's like a one one sign that somebody had it was like jesus was an alien or something and man she looked like she believed that like hard <laughs> but there was uh there was all kinds of crazy shit going on there i know that there was like uh someone was arrested for i think it was like two arrests or five arrests like you said but yeah uh, one one person got arrested for like indecent exposure, which I'm not really sure at what <laughs> level that gets to. But uh, oh god, oh lord, yeah. I mean, it's oh, it is yeah. You know, that that area is probably the that probably had the biggest party they've seen in a long time. You know, I mean, like Rachel Nevada is not exactly a banging place. So. Oh, it's out in the middle of nowhere. And from what I saw, like you know, these nerds that were live streaming on Twitch and whatever. It just looked like it was uh, really cold outside as well. But, uh, yeah, that's, you know, I, I know you've been to Vegas. I've been to Vegas many times, and um, it's real interesting because there's a part of McCarran Airport that um, I think it's on the far west side. Um, there's an area that you can park in, but you have to have, like, certain level clearance to get in, and these certain uh airplanes fly out of there and uh i think they're called jensen airplanes or something like that but they're they're like 737s but they're basically white with red stripes on the sides and no one knows what they are and there's only two or three that fly out of there well they fly the workers that work at area 51 to there and then back so and then from what i've heard uh some of the workers will drive up there and there's a certain like designated parking spot or they can actually get through the gates but yeah sometimes they'll fly people in straight from mccarran nice i uh i did a little bit of looking into some of the the tic-tac ufo stuff that mm -hmm. you've been mentioning before and uh if anybody has any interest in defense blogs and stuff like that tyler rogaway from uh the war zone uh which is not part of the drive interestingly enough he somehow always finds himself with his trailer hitched to uh, more auto automotive websites, he it was initially started at Jalopnik, Jalopnik at Foxtrot Alpha, and mm -hmm. now he works for the Drive. But a very good defense writer, uh, fairly apolitical, uh, very very knowledgeable. Um, but yeah, he talks about 
a lot of this tic tac ufo sightings and stuff like that in the in in, in good depth and Basically, just talking about, uh, sure, I mean, it could be from outer space, you know, is it more likely that it's some kind of very, very advanced stuff that we've developed here, you know, just kind of like what you were talking about with like U2 and Skunk Works and stuff like that. So there's there's a lot of theories out there. Uh, the, the videos themselves are, are pretty impressive for just, you know, being thermal imaging from aircraft, but uh yeah, it's it's all very interesting. I, I definitely highly recommend uh, people that are interested in that kind of thing going to uh, the war zone on on the drive and and checking that out. Um, but that's not the only thing going on right now. Be easy. Why don't you uh, give us a little bit of flavor of Six Flags? Yeah. So last night, and I'd got a membership to Six Flags recently for pretty cheap, and so I went with uh, the roommate, his girlfriend, and and the other roommate to uh, Six Flags last night, and we got there around eight o'clock. And it, this was the start of Fright Fest, and that wasn't really the reason we wanted to go. I mean, I definitely want to check out Fright Fest, but I want to go when it's cooler outside and in October. Um, so September twenty first yesterday, and and we go, and uh, it's still pretty warm here in uh, North Dallas. So yeah, there was. Even though I was just standing around, there was a lot of sweating involved, a lot of walking. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we get there, and there are a ton of people there, and we're like, "Great, you know, this is this is uh, not what we wanted." Because we figured maybe we show up at eight o'clock. The place is open till midnight because it's a Saturday, so hopefully we'll get in some rides. And we got a few, but you know, the it was disappointing because there were two rides that I really wanted to go on, which is uh, Mister Freeze, one of my favorites. And the Titan. And uh, we waited in line, Mr. Freeze. And about after about 15, 20 minutes, we get really close to the front. And then all of a sudden, we just see a mass exodus of people in front of us that start like walking back. And they're like, yeah, they they've uh, they've shut down the ride for some maintenance issue. And, you know, but it took a while for people to file back. And there's no sense of communication from the workers. And I get it. <laughs> These workers, because it's like. When you're a kid and you're going to an amusement park and you see these operators, these machines and stuff, you're like, oh, these are adults. These are these are grownups or something. And now that I'm the age that I am, I'm like, man, these are just kids. Like, these are, you know, late teens, early 20-somethings, you know. So right. it's funny how perspective changes. But, you know, it's like they don't give a crap about uh, communication and what I don't understand is Six Flags has these screens everywhere. So they play like, you know, if you're in a Batman themed ride, they have like animated Batman or Looney Tunes or something like that. And how hard would it be to just have like a little Photoshop, you know, image or something? And, you know, if it says, you know, sorry, you know, ride is closed under maintenance, you know, please come back, you know, in an hour, you know, something like that. Or just have, you know, one of these, um, one of these kids that are working there, like, you know, because there's more than one, like, okay, send, send Freddie back there and tell everybody that, you know, sorry, you know, we're having to shut it down. So that happened with Mr. Free is very disappointing. And then two, um, with the Titan, you know, we, we get in line, right. Like, okay. This is moving. And we're like next in line to get up you know, kind of the same situation to walk up the stairs and then get up to where the, uh, the, the track is. And, all of a sudden it's like we just see water gushing like a water pump blue or something and they're all just standing around and there is no communication we're just like we wait we wait and it's about 
11.30, like there's only 30 minutes left. And we're like, man, let's just get out of here. So we ended up uh, getting on the new Texas Giant, which is mostly metal now instead of wood and much better than it used to be because, man, I used to get off that thing with a hurt back. And, yeah, you're going to have to back replacement. Yeah, I, I'm definitely not sore today. dog surgery. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sore, but it was it was fun. But I, I definitely am going to go back when it's cooler outside. Yeah, I uh, a couple questions. Okay. As far as the the haunted house thing goes, the the fright fest and everything, are you are you in on haunted houses? Is that something that it is it is it more of like the girlfriend would drag you to go to a haunted house kind of thing, or do you ever wake up in the morning and just think, damn, I want to get chased by a chainsaw today? <laughs> uh, well, I did cover this on uh, earlier episodes a year ago. Um, I did a review of a of a, a few haunted houses in the area, and I'm definitely going to do that again. Okay. Uh, this coming month and yes i love haunted houses i love uh horror you know anything to do that's like scary i like going but it takes a lot to scare me in a haunted house i'm going through and i'm really kind of like more analytical when i'm going through and i'm just like okay yeah that's cool yeah that's that's creepy or someone jumps out and i'm like i really like your style you know i'm like paying compliments <laughs> you know you know i'm almost like that critic that's walking through and i there's barely any time that I've jumped. Um, maybe when I was a kid or something, but yeah, uh, we didn't do any of the haunted houses last night. I, that's something that it's got to be cooler outside. Um, but yeah, what about you? No, I, I mean that when I was a younger kid, I went to haunted houses and did the haunted hay rides and stuff like that. That it it was it was fine, but I think that's probably a large part of why I am out on the the jumpy horror you know like the jump scare horror and stuff like that i really appreciate the thriller kind of horror and obviously like the one i go back to is john carpenter's the thing oh yeah um, yeah which is incredible but as far as as far as jump scares go i mean yeah there are a couple in there you know but it really relies on practical effects and and you know the foley artists and and real like tonal kind of horror to to get you on your edge of your seat the entire time as opposed it's a slow burn right right, for most of the the movie i appreciate that and i like it a lot better than you know trying to trying to hide my eyes from a movie that is mediocre so you give me a good movie with jump scares i'm into it okay I, i will i will change my mind it will be a paradigm shift as far as mountain carl's horror appreciation goes but up until that point, I think I'm more of the slow burn guy. So, no, I, I never wake up in the morning and I think, damn, I can't wait to be scared. You know, like I, that's <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not I'm not that kind of dude. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I would I would go suffer through it with you guys and and, and scream like a little girl. <laughs> if you, if you wanted me to to go and uh, re- quote unquote review some some haunted houses with you guys. But have another. You- Oh yeah, keep going. I was gonna say, have you been to uh, many haunted houses in the area? I think uh, I probably shut that down in high school. Yeah, you know, like we did that a couple times. And then after that, I was like, I'm good. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't, I don't need that. I don't need that anymore. It's like it's like when you eat too much, you're kind of like, oh yeah, I, I don't, I'm, I'm done. You know, no thank you. But uh, but yeah, I, I think that I'll, I'll probably hold off on that until there's uh there's a good content reason to go do that again that would be the only reason if you dragged my ass to a haunted house i'd go well uh, i can't tell you you'd enjoy it i mean not not would be there (laughs) oh no no i think it would be more entertaining uh you know as long as you're not like swinging at people um oh yeah the 
so yeah, I've been to like last year I went to like Dark Hour and I went to Thrillvania, which is out on the outskirts and took a while. And I went with Daniel actually. He'll probably he'll I think we're planning on going to at least two uh this year. So I definitely want to check out I've never been to the Cutting Edge, which is over in Fort Worth. Everybody knows that one. It supposedly have has gotten uh, has received uh, you know Guinness record of I think the longest haunted house to go through. I think it takes like ninety minutes or no, longest, I don't think it's ninety minutes. Longest heart attack. I think it's like fifty five minutes, something like that. Yeah, yeah, the longest heart attack. Uh, and then there's one up towards Denton called the Parker House, and I definitely want to go back to that one. I went to that one when it first opened up, and it was closer to Louisville um, on the west side of thirty five. And it was really well done for the time that it opened up because I think when it opened, it was a that had to have been like 2008 or 2009. Mm-hmm. And uh, first time I went, we went with my buddy Kessler, and we're waiting in line, and we're grouped up with like this this dad and his really young son. And so we we go through the beginning. And you know, in most haunted houses, you get in, you're kind of like in the the uh, staging area where you're just kind of waiting in this room before right. they call you in and uh you know they kind of have to stagger some people and so they call us in and they're like okay you can go through now and as soon as i go through like there's this old looks like a lizzie bourdain type uh character where you know she's all dressed in white has like white face everything and you know very colonial and she jumps out real you know just like very sl- uh, subtly right in front of the kid and the kid's like ah and he like kicked her in the face like <laughs> Like, cause she was down low and just totally like kicked her in the face. <laughs> she's just, she just like backed up and me and Kessler looked at each other like, Oh my God. Oh, damn. And and you see the dad freaked out and the kid's still freaking out. And he's like, Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, we were laughing our asses off. It was oh, so funny, man. but I felt bad. And she was like, it's okay. You know, I'm just like, man, that's see, that's the thing. It's like, it'd be fun to do that. Cause it is fun to scare people. Uh, trust me. I've done it to my sisters growing up. <laughs> But, uh, you know, especially if you have siblings, it's always fun to do that. But I could see where, you know, that'd be fun to do. But at the same time, like a pain in the ass job to do that, you know, and possibly get potentially hit, you know. Oh, yeah. I, I expect, like, you know, there's got to be some Ken Shamrock wannabe, like, walking through there, just, like, getting ready to roundhouse kick you to the face. <laughs> but, uh, no, I uh, I don't know. I'm I'm in on it. If you guys want to go, I may. I don't think I'm going to start flailing around like hitting people or yeah. anything like that. Um, I I wanted to say one more thing about Six Flags. Um, mm-hmm. It it seems to me that whenever people, and this is not me making light of horrible stuff that happens on rides, obviously, but when when you have people that die. Yeah. on on rides uh, if you told someone i just went on the texas giant and they go or what are you insane mm-hmm. you know like how, how could you go on the texas giant uh i would say that's probably the safest damn ride in that entire park right now i mean that with the amount of work that they went through that I, I bet you they didn't leave one bolt untightened oh yeah higher thing it's kind of the same idea when when you're at the corner and there's a lot of police officers there and go, Oh my God, what's going on here? Like, maybe we should go back inside. And I'm like, no, don't, why, why this is the safest block in the entire city right now. Yeah. You know, I mean, like it's, it's that kind of mentality where, you know, something that's getting that much scrutiny mm-hmm. from, 
from after something that's happened that's so bad. I mean, like there, I I would be willing to get on the Texas Giants the second it opened again. So I, I don't know that that kind of reaction to me always kind of surprised me, but that's that's just me. Conject my conjecture, but gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So what's uh what else is going on here? Uh well uh also yesterday uh again Saturday September twenty first uh was a really good day for a couple reasons for me. So my favorite band Nine Inch Nails, The Fragile, uh, that album came out in nineteen ninety nine. So that was the twentieth anniversary of that album. It's a double album that took five years to make, and I think about three or four years of it uh, straight every single day. Trent Reznor was in the studio working 12 hour days on this album, just totally crafting it. But uh, everybody from like Alan Mulder, who was the, one of the the lead studio engineers uh, to, you know, even Dr. Drake came in for some of the beats on uh, a couple different tracks. It's sonically, it's a, it's a, quite an achievement. It's a masterpiece. Um, and, and it's one of those albums that always moves me no matter how many times I listen to it. And it just really, you know, hair on the back of my neck stands up and, you know, gets me in the feels and just a lot of very poetic writing as well, um, in it. So, uh, so it's, uh, just wanted to give a shout out to that album because that's definitely one closest to my heart and seeing it reach 20, 20th anniversary makes me feel old uh so i can only imagine how it makes uh, trent reznor feel but uh if our <laughs> listeners haven't listened to it definitely check it out another reason yesterday was cool was it was world batman day um across the world batman was recognized uh everywhere from tokyo japan to london to i think paris uh stateside there were many cities uh that uh partook in this uh celebration and had these bat signals that they lit up they didn't really like light up in the sky like you would imagine the movie they just kind of had like some of the buildings you know major buildings they'd have uh they'd shine the the bat signal on or they'd have like a big screen near one of the the major buildings downtown you know something like that so i thought that was really cool yeah no that's uh that's awesome i know um i know there was los angeles uh new york city and then uh, yeah, like you said, Tokyo and other other large international cities that did it. So, unfortunately, no, no Dallas. <laughs> no, no. Didn't make it. Didn't make the cut. Didn't make the cut. Didn't have the funds, I guess. But uh, I think it's cool that Batman is such a big deal to so many cultures across the world. And you know, I I really think that the reason why the character is so uh, immensely loved is just because it's a character a lot of people can relate with you know, someone who is an underdog or someone who goes through different trials and tribulations in their life and has to endure and then overcome. And it really inspires hope, you know, in, in a, a lot of ways. Whereas, you know, not, and not not a knock against Superman, but it's just like Superman's like, okay, cool. Yeah, I deflect bullets and I can fly and, you know, whatever, you know, like I can do anything and have laser eyes. Uh, right. And Batman's just like an everyday human being. I mean, he might be rich and everything and he might be the world's greatest detective and really smart and cunning but at the same time you know he's he's suffering because of his humanity but he's trying to do good you know yeah he's uh his ability to hold his own with the rest of the justice league and everybody is uh has always been kind of that that sticking point like well what can you do you're just a human you know Mm -hmm. that kind of thing 
So that's always been an interesting dynamic. And then, you know, Superman's just a nuke and everybody knows it. And it's very uninteresting unless you do death of Superman and then resurrection of Superman. And then your story arc is screwed for the next 30 years. So, you know, that's fine. Yeah. Well, and Superman's kind of like a boy scout. Like I always correlate it to with Marvel, with the X-Men of, you know, Superman is kind of like how Cyclops is where he's kind of the boy scout and we're going to do things this way and everything's going to, you know, be fine. And, and, uh, and then Batman is, you know, to Wolverine where, you know, there's, there's, I mean, now Batman doesn't kill and Wolverine kind of has a violent rage, but you, you see where I'm getting at. The, the get shit done mentality. Right, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. gotcha. So you're going to go see a movie today? Yeah, um, I'm going to go help my dad move some furniture. Uh, and then after that, we're going to go see either Rambo Last Blood or Ad Astra. Okay. I, uh, I had a mediocre review of Ad Astra from a real science buff. He's a chemist. He's not. A, he's not a physicist. Mm-hmm. Yet his gripe, his gripes were physics based. So I'm just going to leave it at that, you know. And I and I know I know he's listening to this. So I'm going to give you some real shit because, you know, Joel, Joel, you're a chemist. You're not a physicist. How could you possibly know? But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, well, well uh, he understands a a greater depth of of the field of science than you and I could ever. Uh, yeah. You know, or maybe not ever, but that you or I are even at the level at right now. Right. Yeah. No, I, uh, I think it's his, his like five second, like shitting on Ed Astra was, uh, was interesting. So I'm kind of curious now if that's because it's getting good reviews. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, that's like a, a lone dissenting voice. So now I'm very curious as to, is there going to be something in there that's going to prevent me from enjoying it? I mean, I enjoyed, interstellar i mean a lot of that was science-based and a lot of that was hocus pocus so you know i mean it's it's fine but uh, i can suspend my disbelief for a little bit maybe it's the the movies that are based in hard sciences and stuff like that that kind of do the sciences magic thing at the last minute they kind Mm -hmm. of screw things up but i'm willing to give it a shot i think i mean ad astra ad astra has been getting good reviews so i'm I'm a little, little over that. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I'll go check it out. But, uh, but yeah, I, that, that should be fun. That'll be good. Why, well, you know, he, is your dad going to be okay with all that? Is he going to like flip out if something's, if like one thing's out of place or is he just going to go along for the ride? My dad's real interesting in that when I was younger, he used to just, it's, it's, it's a really interesting dynamic in that he really likes entertaining movies, but He's very critical of entertaining movies like it's uh, so, for example, like if you're watching an action movie and the guy's just like shooting pistols nonstop like John Woo style and is not even reloading, has infinite ammo. And it's like, OK, come on. Like so there's a sense of disbelief in that you're watching a movie, but he's very technical. Like I think as soon as movies start coming out like Black Hawk Down and. Um, you know, some of these other military films where everything's got a, a very technical aspect and even the John Wick movies where you see him reloading and stuff, you know, he enjoys that, the technicality. Right. He doesn't like these over-the-top Fast and Furious bullshit where it's like, you know, The Rock is holding onto a car and then holding onto a rope and keeping the helicopter and it's like, okay, really? You know, and yeah, I, I, I even get like, 
that way too, but I'd say he's a little bit more overly critical of films. Um, cause I, I, I had him, I asked him, uh, the other day if he watched a movie and I was like, yeah, you know, I, I really liked it. I think it was Jumanji. And he said, no, he's like, I turned it off probably like 20% of the way in. It's just too corny for me. And I'm like, okay. Like, I scream Jumanji and I don't get animals running through my living room, so I understand. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's like I feel like as I'm getting older, I have more of a sense of humor um, because when I was growing up, a lot of my friends and were like, wow, why are you so serious, you know? And I'm like, and I was kind of getting it from my dad, you know, and he puts a lot of pressure on himself, so I understand and, you know, I love him and everything. But there's certain times I just kind of wish he'd just, you know, just kind, uh, kind let it go it. and just enjoy the ride, you know? But, you know, I guess that's what happens when you get a little bit older and you kind of like you really value your time on what you're going to devote your your time to, you know, watching film and and all that, you know, and it's got to be like the best of the best. So I totally know where where he's coming from. But, uh, yeah, I don't think he'll have any problem with Ad Astra. Um, He's really big in the sci fi films like I am. Um, He introduced me to 2001 Space Odyssey when I was really young. Nice. Um, as well as the follow up, but uh, yeah, I'm interested to see what uh, what your your buddy was saying about it. You know, is it maybe uh, you know from a physics standpoint, uh, Brad Brad Pitt's tears are not supposed to go in a certain direction, and <laughs> when he's crying yeah, I, about his dad, or you know, I don't know. Uh, but uh, it's I'm interested to see what your friend's take on Interstellar is because that to me is one of the best sci-fi space movies that I've seen. A lot of people say, you know, and casting aside, you know, some people said McConaughey was miscast. I know my dad definitely said that. I felt mm-hmm. like it worked pretty well. Uh, certain things were a little built up, but I thought from the, the space dynamic, it was really well done, especially the black hole and all that. But uh, I'm kind of interested to see what your friend's take is on that film. Yeah, I'll, I'll interrogate him tomorrow and I'll, okay. uh, I'll figure out exactly exactly what his main sticking points were because I did not expect that from him I mean I I, I did and I didn't I mean like he, he does enjoy movies and everything so yeah it's it'll, it'll be interesting I, I didn't think McConaughey was necessarily miscast um, you know I think he, he did a good job with with what he did if, if somebody was like he's supposed to be a nuclear physicist or something like that then I would have said yeah I mean that's like you know, uh, was it like casting uh, Denise Richards or whatever <laughs> as a nuclear physicist in Bond? Uh, but, uh, world is not enough. Yeah. yeah that, oh exactly. my God, dude. Yeah, you're welcome. So, <laughs> the, uh, you know, I I can understand that, but I mean, he was he was supposed to be just a good engineer. I mean, I work with good old boy engineers all day. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I I mean, I know they exist. Yep. So it's not doesn't bother me so much, but uh, you know, I don't know. We'll we'll see. I'll I'll uh, I'll pick his brain and I'll report back and I'll go see it myself because that's something that I think uh, Mountain Girlfriend would be would be into just because Brad Pitt's in it. So. Yeah, you know, and I, I really like from the shots that I've seen the trailers the the way it's directed and it's got sort of like a two thousand one esque vibe to it as well as it looks like it's got a lot of heart in the movie because you know he's he's off trying to find his dad and you know I don't know the complete story plot but you know you could tell there's a lot of emotion there um so i'm you know and the cast alone it just amazing you know from ruth yeah. nega to donald sutherland to tommy lee jones's father i mean i mean and and there's even more uh to the cast as well so you know that one definitely has great reviews i definitely want to check that out and then Ram- rambo last blood 
it was interesting because I kept, you know, following up to the launch date, the release date of the movie, and kept checking IMDb and, and other sources, and there weren't really any reviews. And so that's always a little concerning yeah. when they're not when the studio doesn't really believe in the product enough to allow the early reviews and get the buzz out there and Absolutely. not much of a marketing campaign i would say uh especially not versus ad astra i see it, it all over the place and that got early reviews and buzz so you know i'm kind of like i'm, I'm a little I'm a little nervous going into Rambo last blood and i like the rambo movies i've i felt like the last one that came out was really good um but it's just kind of more of the same the nothing's going to beat the very first one which is first blood which is based on the novel first blood uh where it's that one was more like an independent film you know and not this over-the-top action you know muscles bulging it it was more of a story with character development and this guy trying to make sense of things coming back from the vietnam war and people pushing him around and he's pushed to his limits you know and um but a hundred percent more Brian Dennehy than any other Rambo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, that's that's Great already role. all you need to know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've heard some early mixed reviews from this one and, and that there's some element of, it's almost kind of like a horror movie at times and that it's so violent and, and then there's other things. And so, you know, I'm willing to give it a shot, but I think I'm more interested in seeing Ad Astra today, but again, you know, going to leave it up to, the dad's hands to see really what he wants to do and i'm down for either either one um you know and of course after i see it i'll report back on it next episode and give my my take on it uh but yeah that's what is going to be going on today but uh yeah speaking of films and stuff you know there's been a lot more talk on uh, the joker and there's this uh controversy and you know that is this really the right time to release this film with mental issues and all that and um you know what's your take on that uh, so i don't know i i guess that in in the grand scheme of things this all kind of boils down to the classic did the video game make the kid go insane right, right? or or did the did the movie uh make the kid lose his mind and and go kill people or whatever so uh you know the doom franchise has been hit with this back in video games you know started becoming a little bit more quote-unquote realistic um obviously mortal Kombat got a lot of that ridiculous yeah which i mean uh you know if you're not you know, old pixels of red oh my god <laughs> yeah i would say well there were now the finishing couple, moves were pretty crazy but yeah yeah that's true i mean finish it, him yeah, if you're not if you're not ripping someone's head off with their spinal column still dangling there, then I mean, what are you really doing? Hey, but, mom, I'm just learning human anatomy. It's okay. Yeah, no, that's a great way to spin it. I wish I thought of that one back before I got that console or that game ripped out of my console. Yeah, ditto. Um, the, I mean, and yeah, they came back and they, and they released versions of it that didn't have any blood and that kind of thing. But in general, the way I look at this kind of stuff is uh crazy is gonna look crazy and you've got stuff that will set people off in general uh yes that that can be external stimuli but for the most part it this stuff doesn't happen in a vacuum if if some guy wants to go lose his mind and become a super villain uh he will find any excuse to do that or she for that matter but 
you know, that person will find, you know, whatever external stimuli, they will seek that out to go and fulfill whatever dark wishes they have. So sure, you can blame it on TV and film in general, but I think it's a lot deeper than that. I think you're ignoring some very existing issues inside the person the whole time. It, it's not like I just walked into Mortal Kombat, the movie, you know, back in the 90s, and then I saw, you know, that whole thing, and I walk out, and I'm like, well, now I'm a sociopath. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it, it's not like a switch that flips. So I think that uh, to blame a movie, especially a very violent one, for all of not just the world's ills, but it, especially to to blame a per, that instead of the person who's to carrying out the deed uh, is missing a really, really complex mental issue. There's yeah. a lot of stuff that existed a long time inside that person's head, or maybe even a short time for that matter. Maybe they snapped, but either way, the movie didn't make them do that. They were They were already snapped. They were already messed up before that external stimuli was like, hey, that's a good idea. You know, I mean, it, it just doesn't happen in a vacuum. So whether or not that's uh, that's 100% scientifically backed, that's my my own rantings on that topic. I don't know. What do you think? Well, you know, I have certain friends who are psychologists, and I've talked to them about this too. And, and uh, you know, it's just kind of like, everything is a culmination that that builds and leads into a direction you know like if you're a very sinful person obviously if you continue down a road you're going to become even a greater sinful person or if you're a happy person and you choose happy things um you're going to ultimately become a happier person um so you know everything builds everything is a road life is a road right so uh, my take on it is, you know, what counterpoint life is a highway. <laughs> life is a highway. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know Tom Petty originally wrote that? Really? Yeah. Yeah. He didn't what perform did... it, but he, he, he wrote it. Didn't capitalize on that. That yeah. brilliant song. Yeah. Oh, well. So anyways, not to detour too much there, but, uh, yeah, everything's a culmination of things and it's not like, for example, you know, yeah, there were there those stupid kids back in the day where they saw Superman and so they're like, okay, I'm gonna put a cape on and get on the roof and jump off the roof and see that I can fly. Sure, there are those idiots out there, uh, which is a great episode of Titus, by the way. Uh, I remember that show, but uh, uh, but you know, it's not like the the human condition that our mental uh, there's not a fragile state to our mental cognitive that some we're going to watch something and all of a sudden just be like okay yeah i'm totally tom cruise from mission impossible i'm gonna go do this and do that and you know not gonna suffer consequences i mean and to say that stuff like video games or movies um basically triggers people to do that stuff is just total bullshit um you know and look at for example like and i think you and i were probably texting about this but the dark knight when that came out in 2008 that stupid ass who shot up the theater basically planned all this he'd been planning for months and he ended up shooting up the theater and i think it was in aurora colorado Um, and those poor people were just caught up in that and that was 10 minutes in the movie like and this was opening night 
Like the movie hadn't even been out for this guy to even see it. So it's not like it inspired him to do it. Now, yeah, he did his hair a different way and was like, called himself the Joker, but he didn't really know anything about Heath Ledger's Joker, you know? So I think it can be a something that can like cause someone to be like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to add this to my style and my demented actions and stuff. Uh, and it could, you know, maybe cause a little bit of a influence but I don't think it's a trigger by any means or I don't think it's gonna totally like change someone into being a sane person into an insane person I mean all that is conditioning and all that starts with uh how they were brought up the parenting they receive the environment they grew up in because I'm a firm believer that your environment is what produces you um and then it's up to you to continue to go down this journey of life to become a better human being. So, yeah, I just think this whole talk, and again, this goes back to the whole PC culture. It's all bullshit of, you know, is this the right movie to release? And it's like, well, I mean, anybody can go back and watch Taxi Driver and become crazy, you know? So it's like, you know, it's out there. You know, people can watch it, easily stream it. So uh, I don't think this movie is going to be all that, crazy like people were, were saying i i've heard that it is pretty pretty uh interesting but hey so was fight club so right no i mean it's uh it's funny i mean like i guess uh history doesn't repeat itself but it rhymes right and so we've got this movie coming out where everybody says oh well this external like this external stimuli will definitely make people insane whereas you know every it seems like every five to ten years we have this exact same argument so uh a lot of that happened earlier on i guess even with the like call it when call of duty did their no russian level and that kind of thing I and mean, then people were all up in arms about that kind of thing and yeah i mean it's very it's pretty pretty awful subject matter you know but at the same time i guess we we have a right to have that out there as much as we have the right to ignore it. So if it really is something that you don't think that your kids should be playing or your kids should be watching, don't let your kids freaking play it or watch it. Right. No, I mean, I know it's easier said than done. I mean, we all, we all know that we all, we all snuck off and watched movies that gave us you know nightmares and, and fucked us up. <laughs> of course. Kidding. But, um, but then again, we're, we're here. I mean, we're, we're productive members of society and, and we've watched these films. So wouldn't you think that the argument of did this movie make this person crazy when there are millions of people across the world that watch these movies all the time, that wouldn't you think that, that would, there would be a, a little bit more of like, a, well, we've all watched this movie. We're all insane now as opposed to we all watched this movie and one person went insane. I just, mm-hmm. I feel like the, the, the numbers alone are enough of an argument against what they're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, agreed. But, you know, uh, touching on Mortal Kombat there, uh, James Wan's Mortal Kombat, uh, this was announced the other day as officially begun production. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's happening again, everybody. Mortal Kombat is coming back and, uh, there is a lot of people involved in this movie that I will tell you you have never heard of. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the only person in this entire casting list that was actually released um, 
that I think that anybody would actually recognize is uh, McCod Brooks. And that name probably doesn't even resonate with anybody here, but the idea, um, I'm sorry, the the thing that people would remember him from is, uh, I think he's Jimmy, Jimmy Olsen in, uh, in Supergirl. Oh, okay. So he's, uh, he's like the different take on Jimmy Olsen and Supergirl. And he's also the guardian and Supergirl. And, and so it's, uh, you know, I, that's fine. He's going to play, he's going to play Jack's great muzzle tough. I mean, like the rest of the people that are on here, uh, are people that have been in, stuff here and there but they've never really been in big movies mm-hmm. it's probably their biggest blockbuster movie they've ever been in so that's not taking anything away from them i mean if they can act their ass off they can act their ass off great but i don't think that's the point of this movie the point of this movie is to basically recreate a video game where you have a bunch of bloody death and uh and throw some popcorn in your mouth while you watch it yeah uh i've heard there's gonna be you know because james wan is involved um there's gonna be a a sense of like horror elements meets sci you know sci-fi elements things like that so interested to see what his taste gonna be and now is james wan producing or is he directing or both he is he is producing okay okay that's what Um, i figured that that was something that I, i had to make sure uh let's see there's actually which going back to the cast uh real quick you know i i definitely like seeing films like this where you're giving new faces a, a shot i i get tired so many times where they start adding in these a-listers because they're actors you know and i'm glad they're like giving some new people a shot uh at this stuff because you could have easily casted like you know uh idris elba could have been this character and then you know and i'm just like you know it's it's time for a, a switch in movies and that you know we we get that too much with like you know fast and furious and all these franchise movies and i definitely want to see some new blood get in there and you know shake it up a little bit yeah i mean i'm all for people surprising us um the director uh i'm gonna say his name is simon mcquade but it, it's m-c-q-u-o-i-d hmm. so okay not really sure how to pronounce that um but uh, his only and first filmography uh, credit is Mortal Kombat. So hmm. if I, you know, again. Well, James Wan trusts him. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, good enough I mean, for me because looking at like the the Annabelle franchise, well, well everything that kind of came in has been cultivated from the Conjuring uh, franchise, if you will. Uh, everybody who who has come out of that, like directorial wise, has done a great job directing. Yeah, uh, they. This is probably a fairly low risk movie to make. Yeah, you've got a very established backstory. Uh, there, believe it or not, there's actually a story that goes with Mortal Kombat. If you ever, if you're ever curious, there is actually a a. Uh, not a story mode or anything like that, but there is actually lore behind Mortal Kombat beyond everybody's fighting and, and, you know, punching Mm -hmm. their faces into their bodies and that kind of thing. So um, it's an interesting story. It's not incredible. I mean, it wasn't written by Stephen King over four years. It was, you know, it's a video game, but the, uh, there is, my point is there is actually stuff that is there 
that they can draw from if they really wanted to make this a little bit more than let's say the 90s Mortal Kombat movie um I like I said it's a pretty low risk movie to make and if they wanted to give someone their first blockbuster and then hand a bunch of people their first big shot this is this is probably the one to do it on so I'm not I'm not worried about it um I'm I'm definitely going to go see it because I'm a sucker for this kind of shit mm-hmm. and uh and we'll we'll let you know how how it goes obviously but yeah I trust James Wan I mean he's done a lot with a, le- a lot less money mm-hmm. and uh and he'll be he'll be fine this this whole movie will will at, at worst be mediocre and that's I mean it's a video game movie so wow. very very seldom do you knock it out of the park with video game movies Wow, it can't be any worse than Mortal Kombat Annihilation. That was probably one of the worst films ever made. <laughs> yeah, that was uh to think that the nineties Mortal Kombat, the original, deserved a sequel with almost nobody returning from the original cast already. That's not a good sign. And then uh I don't understand. I have no idea how anybody thought that was gonna make it off. Yeah. Any anywhere. Yep. Well, and speaking of sequels, we also have another one development, which is surprise to nobody. Uh, Jurassic World 3 has uh, been announced to film at Pinewood Studios. Uh, of course, that'll be part of it. Of course, there's going to be outdoor scenes, so I'm sure they'll return to Hawaii, you know, and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, the famous uh, Pinewood Studios where they filmed everything from 007 to just about anything out there. Uh, and then Sam Neill is also rumored to possibly make a return to the franchise in this film. I didn't really like Jurassic Park 3 when he was there, but, uh, you know, I, I'm willing to give it a shot. Um, did you ever see Jurassic World 2? I did. Um, I, I, I've been a pretty big fan of the Jurassic World franchise in general. Uh, I've never... I've never been disappointed. It, the, I guess my, my big beef with the original what was it quadrilogy, mm-hmm. um, was the, I guess it was a scheduling conflicts and stuff like that. Could they could they bring Sam Neill back? Could they not? You know, uh, did they get a, oh who all who all was in Lost World? Was it Jeffrey Goldblum. Uh yeah, Jeff Goldblum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. That that one alone was kind of like a, a goofy thing. I actually like Lost World fairly. Um, it, you know, it was just it was the original quadrilogy. Can't speak today. Was strange in that it was tonally the same, but it kind of hit all over the map as far as them kind of grasping at straws for good story arcs after the first one. Mm-hmm. And this one seems a lot more unified as far as you know they planned it as a trilogy basically it is what it felt like that there was nothing to me that felt like it was disjointed or you know kind of made we made one and then oh yeah we'll definitely need to make another one now look how well that grossed they knew how it was gonna do so they they had some some more scripts in the can is my guess but uh but yeah that's that's been my that's been my feeling on this so far has been it's felt a lot more uh, contiguous than than the first four movies yeah 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 i mean i i like the cast i jurassic world the first one was 
okay to me, and it brought back some nostalgia, kind of like you know what Star Wars did with uh, you know the the first one of this new trilogy. Sure. But uh, I didn't see the last one, um, and I really need to. Uh, I, I mean, we have it on our Plex server, so I definitely need to check that out. I know that there was a short that just came out that Colin Trevero directed. It's like an eight-minute short, and uh, it's like Battle of Something, and it's... Yep. Yeah, yeah, I need to watch it. I've, I've heard some good things, but I've also heard that there's still some corny cheesiness in it, and I'm just like, man, just... I, that's why I I wish like the like they would just make a Jurassic movie that was just pure rated R like <laughs> that would just be that would just be amazing and just have some grittiness to it you know like make it like Logan but just you know dinosaurs and yeah the first one was the closest we got to that I mean really I yeah, mean it was true. a little whimsy but I mean it was a that was a dark movie all, all things considered I mean it, it it added a little bit of levity here and there, like, oh, look what we can do. Science is great. And then it was just like, hell no, it isn't. And then everything went to hell. So it was it was the really – that was probably the most complex of all the movies so far was the very first one. Well, and it gave us the best lines, too, from Dotson. We got Dotson here. And then we had, uh, you know, must go faster, must go faster. Yeah, uh, clever girl. Yeah, clever girl. Uh hold on to your butts, you know, yep. <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson as the tech guy. Yeah. yeah. So great. And nah, uh, uh, didn't see the magic word. Nah, uh, uh, that's <laughs> just Newman. so great. Newman, man. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm interested in, in seeing this. I just got to catch up on the franchise a little bit. Um, so let's, let's do that. Let's do that together. And I hope so, uh, that Sam Neill does come back. I love that guy as an actor. Uh, he was fantastic in the first one. Uh, so I hope he does repri- reprise his role in a big way. Yeah. Sam, Sam Neill, always good actor. I've never seen him in crap. Well, I've seen him in crap, but I've never seen it, him act crappily. So he's, uh, he's always acted to his level and not to the movie's level, which has always been great craziest films i've seen him in were probably uh, event horizon which is a favorite right. of mine and then another favorite and it's kind of a lesser known john carpenter film uh in the mouth of madness and he plays this like investigative journalist i think it was and it uh stephen king of course uh novel but john carpenter directed it and people were reading this book and when they read this book, their eyes bleed and all this crazy stuff happens. And so he goes back to the source of where this book was supposed to be written. And they end up in this fictional town that was in the book. And some crazy stuff goes down. Uh, you'll just have to check it out. Uh, definitely right. one to watch during October. Uh, but uh, yeah, so speaking of other films, uh, there, there was a trailer that came out. Kind of surprised me. I didn't know what it was. It's called The Rhythm Section. Yeah, I thought it was going to be like a, you know, they're like Orchestra. marching band <laughs> yeah. kind of thing, you yeah. know. Yeah, no, it was it was interesting. I, I really, my my take was pretty strong on it um, I, right away. Uh, I I haven't seen it wasn't actually a spy thriller. Obviously, it's it's like more of a a, a revenge flick, mm-hmm. but the uh, the spy ish kind of espionage elements were there enough mm-hmm. for me to call it a quote-unquote spy thriller uh, at least from the trailer to the point where I haven't been as excited for a spy thriller like that since the first Bourne movie came out mm. um, it, it's just a really well cut trailer and it, it left enough to the imagination where I was very interested in the story 
but it also gave us kind of a solid snapshot of the characters themselves mm-hmm. with, with, I mean, like kind of the fundamental, like the building blocks of the characters, uh, it's got Blake Lively, Jude law. Those are the two kind of heavy hitters right up front in the trailer. And, uh, I know if you haven't seen the trailer, go ahead and check it out. Uh, the rhythm section seems like it could be a really solid espionage revenge flick type thing. Um, and it, it could make a, it, it could be a mixture of genres for all I know, but it, it definitely has a good feel to it. What do, what do you think? Well, I, I really liked in the trailer Jude Law. You know, you can tell he's like the mentor slash handler, and he's like, okay, I'll train you and, and everything, but once you go down this road, you're not going to like yourself. She's like, I don't care. You know, she just wants to find like uh, a, a means to an end to, yeah. you know, get back at these people for uh, they kind of allude to like a death in the family or something but yeah there definitely is elements of born uh you definitely hit it on the head and that that definitely reminded me as i'm watching the trailer of born it kind of had the directorial uh style uh kind of had f- some flares of doug lyman which directed the very first born to paul right. greengrass Rick who directed Grass. the other ones you know so definitely kind of had that sort of edge to it uh and the fact that she's changing her identity and i had kind of had to do a double take because i'm watching the trailer and i'm just like okay she kind of looks familiar but i can't place her and then as it kept going i'm like wait is that blake lively like that's that's insane to me because she's never done a role like this and and nope. you could tell she's kind of like you know, really going into it. So uh, it looks real intense. I, I'm definitely interested. I'm always down for a spy thriller slash revenge flick. So uh, definitely want to check that out. But yeah, uh, for our listeners out there, definitely look into this. Um, and then there was some other news that dropped, and this will be our final item for today. Uh, so the office, uh, <laughs> it's interesting. I was reading the other day that NBC paid $500 million dollars to Netflix to get the rights back to the office so that they can get it and have that, that source material and have that show come back home to the Peacock network. And, uh, NBC is now having their stream service. So much like Disney plus, I mean, we're going to have, uh, an overabundance on stream service news. So everybody get ready for that. Uh, but yeah, NBC has their own stream service. They're calling it Peacock. And uh, so they have acquired the rights. And as of, I think, the beginning of 2020, the office, uh, the U.S. version, I should um, point out, is not going to be on Netflix anymore. It's going to move back over to NBC on their streaming service. But there's a interesting uh, sort of uh, a point that was made the other day and that they were talking to one of the heads of NBCU um, and that they're, they're toying around with this idea of rebooting the show. Uh, and of course that kind of got a lot of fans up in arms, like, you know, don't reboot it, you know, but there's, I think it's going to be rebooted in a different way and that it might be a continuation in terms of what's going on. Cause whenever, I don't know if you're a big office fan, but whenever the season ended or the series ended, you know, Dwight was the manager and, and a few other people stayed there. Some people moved away and, you know, but you could have some characters come back. So I think that's, I think that'd be a cool thing to do. I, I really would like them to see, I, I would really like to see that, um, and I wish they would do something like that with Parks and Rec as well. That was probably the show that I liked more. Uh, but Office, definitely, I could relate to because you know I do work in a corporate environment, and yeah, I, I love that show. But yeah, what what are your th- your thoughts on all of this? Yeah, you know, a lot of 
a lot of focus is on violence in movies and how that makes people go insane. You know what makes me lose my shit? Bad trailers and bad remakes. Yeah. That yeah. that <laughs> that will that will make me snap, man. Yep. Uh no, I uh I looked at this and I I think that my problem is the same issue that I have with a lot of remakes, um, especially with edgier humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're definitely in a situation these days where we have to ask ourselves, can stuff that was made even, you know, five, 10 years ago be made today with the same kind of like ruthless comedy that we had before or will, or will actual, um, you know, pr- like will, will the actual production take a hit? Will they will they pull the plug on something because they they stepped over a line, you know, once or twice, and we don't get more than like three episodes because the humor is just too edgy for today. Because um, the, the outrage mob is real, it's everywhere, yep. right? And it's it's faceless and it's shitty and it makes people do a lot of stuff that they really uh, probably shouldn't do. And one of those things is uh, destroy creativity. And one uh, and, and I think that that's something that we have to keep an eye on when the, uh, the office is remade. I mean, there were a lot of jokes that were self-deprecating and made at the expense of a lot of people's, uh, you know, uh, behaviors, um, backgrounds, uh, you know, that kind of thing. It's, it's, it's very difficult for me to see a equal opportunity offender show being made today with any modicum of success without there being police in the room, you know, slapping the hand of the production team every single time they want to release a script that's a little racy. Yeah, because, I mean, it, is that? I mean, I, I just want them to do it right, and that's always my standpoint. Please do it right. If you're going to reboot, do it right. If you're going to remake, do it right. And uh, it is very difficult for me to see this being done in a way that is the, that has the same soul that seasons two through the final season really had of The Office. Um, so that's I, I think that's where I'm coming from. And, and it's kind of a minefield these days, you know? I mean, like, there's a lot of – it's really easy to make a procedural show without having people crack down on you. Uh, it's very easy to make a reality show without having people crack down on you. It's not easy to make a comedic show, especially one that really pushes people's buttons and, and turns people off without having some kind of random group swooping in from nowhere and, and ordering a boycott. So, uh, you know, just I if if Peacock Network is going to carry it and NBC wants to do this, I just hope they've got uh, figurative balls to do it. Yep, absolutely. And be easy. You know what else needs to be done right? What's it that? It needs to be done with soul. Getting an Audible subscription. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening today. It's that easy. And I, uh, I definitely want to thank Audible for, for uh, supporting our show and being 
being part of our team and allowing us to not pull any punches. Yes, absolutely. And uh, I've been meaning to go on Audible because we're now at that time of the season where we're getting in October and I've always wanted to read it, but I don't know if I want to actually flip through a thousand pages or something. So I might actually uh, check it out on Audible. So we'll see how that goes. But, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting coming up in October. We're going to have a lot of fun stuff uh, that is planned and stuff that isn't even planned just yet. But I'm definitely going to be getting back into the groove of things of checking out scary movies and horror and stuff. And so stay tuned for that. Mountain Carl and I will probably go check out some pretty scary movies and also some haunted houses. So we have a lot of fun uh, stuff in store for the Halloween season coming up. So everybody stay tuned for that. But uh, I want to thank everybody for listening to today's episode. Carl, it's always a pleasure. It was really good conversation today Uh, for all of our listeners out there. Definitely uh, check us out on social media, on Twitter and Instagram. That's at uh, Sensibly Loud. We also want to hear from you. So if you guys want to drop us a, a voice message, uh, feel free to give us a call at 972-885-9361. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook as well and just search for us for Sensibly Loud Media, which is the greater organization that we work for. Check out all of our other shows. We have some fun podcasts other sports-related discussions, as well as Bachelor Talk, with some other great hosts that we're going to try and get on here for some guest spots and some episodes. Definitely stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for next week's episode, and thanks for listening, everybody. Take care. See you later. Bye.